this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. Diabetes is a real challenge for millions of people, and yet, how do you make it workable at the happiest places on earth? We are joined by David Zanola, who shares with us the challenges the diabetics face when they are in the Disney parks. We look at how he and others have taken that issue and made the experience not only workable, but as a place to enjoy. Where to go, what to eat, and how to monitor your energy level as you embrace a big day at the parks. We'll cover that and much, much more. Join us at Disney at Play as we find Disney delight as a diabetic. By the way, a list of the topics we're covering can be found on our post at disneyatplay.com. While you're there, make sure that you subscribe so you can be notified of upcoming podcasts as they are made available. Also check out disneyatwork.com, our sister site where we talk about best in business practices found at Disney. Both will provide you lots of great insight into these places that we enjoy as Disney fans. All right, well, again, the privilege was mine to have David Zanola join us. David is uh, not only a diabetic, but he is uh, an owner and agent of Out the Tour Travel. And so he has been able to help a lot of folks who are dealing with health-related issues as they prepare for a trip to Walt Disney World. So uh, we have lots to talk about, and, and believe me, we are very capable in any dialogue of going down a rabbit hole, But um, or in this case, maybe an orange bird tree. But at any rate, we'll, uh, we'll check in, and uh, let's hear as we talk with David. So the funny thing about uh, talking with David is we are always on we're always talking. We're always talking every day. And about somewhere in the middle of the conversation or the end of the conversation, we say something to the effect, ah, or at least I do, oh, we should have been taping this. <laughs> this could have been perfect for a podcast. And uh, and so uh, so here's an example of that. It's like when you call talk. a customer, it's like when you call a customer service number and they say this phone call may be recorded for training purposes. You just need to record all those conversations automatically to make life easier. <laughs> kind of like Watergate, maybe not the same as Watergate, but you know. No so, so and, and and by the way, while I'm at it, I'm I I so I not only we not only talk, we text all the time, and he's always sending me uh, articles that have come up, and I'm always sending him things that are going on in the parks while I'm out there. Yesterday, I sent or today I sent him an image I took yesterday of Orange Bird. Uh, the gold statue of Orange Bird, which was promoted way in advance of the Magic Kingdom. But if you go and do a Google search for um, Orange Bird, gold um, 50 uh, anniversary uh, Disney World Orange Bird, you do not see any images of the Orange Bird in the park. Uh, well, actually, there are a couple. I'm sorry. Uh, Disney Food Blog has one and Mickey Blog says there are a couple, but really very, very few um, are out there. So you actually did see this in the park. I That picture, I actually sent you a screenshot of my phone so you could see the timestamp. I took it. Oh, right that's why I had two of them. I thought I doubled 
I took it right around, I think, right around noon on October 1st. I thought it was kind of hidden in the, I mean, well, it is, and I was going I, by I, in the dark and it was, there was no lighting on the thing. So it just looked hidden in the I, dark. I couldn't even the, tell you where I found it. Where, where'd you find it? It's in an alcove. Uh, uh, what's the restaurant? Um, Skipper Canteen. Okay. It's so in it's an right alcove back, under Skipper Canteen. And, right right uh, by where the, there's a guest relations umbrella booth there, yes, right? Yes. Where okay. you could take care of your desk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But, yeah. Okay, so I guess I guess a few people have taken pictures of it, and I actually do have the gold coin for Orange Bird. But mm. um, but these are the kinds of conversations I'm having with David all the time: is what's going on, what's what's not. And so we thought it would be really good for us to have a conversation. Uh, David and uh, you have mentioned on several of the podcasts we've done. Uh, that you are diabetic. And so I thought yeah, we ought to talk about how does someone with diabetes kind of um, rethink their experience in the park. So um, so this is for those of us who are not connected to somebody who actually is experiencing diabetes, give us a little, give us the, 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 the short version of what is diabetes and, and we've also heard of this like type one, type two. So talk, talk about the differences between those two. So uh, just like Walt Disney World is celebrating a big anniversary this year, this month, very apropos, I am celebrating, and I'm using air quotes for those of you not, <laughs> who can't see, I am celebrating my 40th anniversary, four zero, of having type one, what uh, they technically call juvenile diabetes. Uh, so the difference, the, Basically, diabetes is um, a, a, an illness, a disease that makes your body unable to process the, and metabolize the sugar that all of us eat. So, for example, uh, if you, Jeff, go to find the orange bird photo and you stop at the Sunshine Tree Terrace and you buy some of the pot stickers that you can buy right there and you eat it, your pancreas does its job and it spits out insulin and it tells your body, hey, sugar's coming in. Let's spit out this insulin and do what we have to do with it so that you don't get sick from eating normal everyday food, right? Diabetics, pancreases, pancreas, pancreas things do not work <laughs> like that, okay? Uh, and the difference between type one and type two diabetes is basically boiled down to how well your pancreas still works. For a type one diabetic like myself, it does not work at all. It is basically a completely useless organ sitting there in my body and does not secrete any insulin at all. So since I was a young child, um, I had to, I have had to take injections. I have had to give myself, um, you know, pharmaceutically uh, de designed and manufactured insulin to do the job that my pancreas should be doing. A type two diabetic their pancreas still works, just not necessarily well and not necessarily predictably. Um, so what happens is, is some type two diabetics are on insulin. Some type, type, type two diabetics uh, can just take a pill to kind of manage their blood sugar. And so it just doesn't work as well as it should. And that's what's tricky about type two diabetes is because you can talk to 25 type two diabetics and you're going to get all kinds of across the board. Do you need insulin? Do you need pills? How's it working? Uh, my wife's grandmother, uh, um, grandmother who died maybe five or six years ago, um, she had had an issue where basically uh, she had had some kind of a, 
um, of an of an illness, or maybe even been removing cancer or something like that from around her pancreas. And so when they removed that, she ended up becoming a type two diabetic because part of her pancreas was missing doesn't work properly, right? Um, it is often uh, associated um, with obesity, uh, type two diabetes. That's not the only way, but that's a very common thing you hear because the more stress that is put on your pancreas, uh, at least as I understand type two, and I'm not a doctor. The more uh, struggle as, it has. As far, right. And, and so it basically just puts more pressure on it. As you get older, you will see a lot of folks um, in the senior citizens community uh, that struggle because as you get older and your organs start to kind of not do what they used to, you struggle with it that way as well. But that's kind of the big difference is you can classify your diabetics in two different categories. Either pancreas doesn't work at all, never has, or it, it hasn't since it became a diabetic. Whenever they became a diabetic, pancreas just basically said, I'm out. Or it works, it just doesn't like to play nicely because it doesn't work um, all the time in all situations. Type, type one diabetics, they tend, to, they tend to find this out when they're children. Yes, that's why it's called juvenile diabetes is typically you will see most type one diabetics. Um, and again, I, I've, I've never looked at the numbers, so I'm totally just kind of guessing these numbers here. But most type one diabetics that I know uh, typically were diagnosed by the time they were out of high school or thereabouts. Not that you couldn't otherwise. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But there is some suspicion that it's either hereditary, which for me, it was not. We could find no relatives or uh, that it is possibly linked to when you get some, when you have some kind of an illness that attacks your immune system, then your immune system is basically weakened because of whatever that illness is and whatever is already in you that's kind of prone to shut down just shuts down. Um, I actually got it very shortly after I had the chicken pox as a small child because I was a young child hmm. before there was a chicken pox vaccine. And so the doctors think that basically whatever that was, was in trigger. me, that it was a trigger that basically actually was um, very shortly after my first trip to Disney World um, is, is when I actually uh, got diagnosed. So I can always blame Mickey. Um, but um, <laughs> well, you yeah, had so. joined the state of Florida. Yeah, right. uh, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. But that's another podcast. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> me, meanwhile, um, so and I know it's you're taking your swigs of your diet orange crush. My there. diet sunkissed. I love it. Diet my, sunkissed. Yes. Yeah. So he left town a couple of weeks ago. Hey, I had some extra groceries here. So I had my first diet sun kiss. Well, so let's just back up and say, sure. Mr. Travel Planner, how do you mm -hmm. plan your trip differently as someone who needs to you know, pay attention to, to, to their diabetes? So here's the one, I hate using this phrase, but here's the one nice thing about being on an insulin pump, which is what I'm on. So basically when I, when I was young and first had diabetes, I would have to give myself injections. Mm -hmm. So if I ate, I had to give myself an injection. At the beginning of the day, I would have to give myself an injection to kind of mimic what my pancreas should do. But what that did is that was very, um, it was very difficult to kind of predict what was gonna happen. And I had to eat at certain times. So if I gave myself an injection at eight in the morning, I had to eat by a certain amount of time. Otherwise I was going to be on the floor passed out because that insulin mm. was breaking down stuff. And if there's no food in my body, what's it breaking down? I'm passing out. Right. Mm. Um, about 19, late 1990s, I got what's called an insulin pump, which is basically the best way I can describe it is as close to an artificial pancreas as I would have outside of my body. So it does the job of giving me drips of insulin the whole day when I want to eat um, about 15 minutes before I eat, I will program in and press some buttons and you'll hear some beeps and it will give me insulin based on what I'm eating. But that way I can be flexible. So for example, when I flew to Asia for the first time, 
I didn't know what my body was going to do with time differences and everything. And if I didn't give myself mm. any extra insulin, so what? I'm not eating and eating on a plane is weird on an international flight. So when I ate, I gave myself something. So I am fortunate in that, that I can kind of control when I give myself insulin and how my insulin is working, where a type two diabetic does not always have that. And luxury is a very poor word when we're talking about a disease like diabetes, but, but what I mean, it does a, give flexibility. It does give flexibility. And so um, typically the two main things that I learn myself, I see myself adjusting is um, the times of day I eat and what I carry around in my bag. Uh, you will probably notice that when we've uh, spent time together in the parks, I will very rarely, unless I can avoid it, eat a dinner. And if I do, it's an earlier dinner because sitting down for a big meal and then not mm. walking a bunch is problematic. Um, so if we're gonna ever eat a sit down meal, I will typically try to eat either a lunch or maybe by four or five o'clock and almost always I will go, I will make sure that I do some walking after that. You will never see me sitting down to eat a meal at 8.30 at night. I can still give myself the insulin, but like we're getting kind but of- But it becomes problematic to just roll in bed afterwards. Because if you think about it, pretty much everything you're eating turns into sugar in one way or another in your body. Like one thing that I do not hardly ever eat is pizza anymore, even though I love it because mm -hmm. the bread, the cheese turns into sugar and it's fatty the sausage, the pepperoni, whatever you eat mm. is fatty and turns into sugar, but lasts with you a lot longer. Mm. So if I can avoid that a big meal for dinner, then I know it's a little easier. Or if I do have a big meal around four or five o'clock, then I make sure that I do some walking around the resort or I go to Disney Springs or I walk around the park quite a bit just to kind of help that insulin, not help the insulin work, but help my body kind of pair with the insulin so I don't give myself a ton of insulin and that's not good because giving yourself all that insulin, it's not as easy as clicking a button and, hey, I'm good because a lot of insulin is not good for you. So mm. I, try, I try to make sure that I avoid that. And then I also am careful about what I keep in my bag. Um, I will always have uh, two things. I will always have a fast acting sugar. Like I carry sweet tarts with me is just what I find is easy and um, something that lasts a little longer. And is I'll typically have peanut butter crackers just because you take the sugar to go quick. And then you have the peanut butter crackers to make sure that you kind of level out a little bit. Cause you're walking what seven, 10, 12 miles a day in the Disney park on a normal day, maybe longer. And so that in the heat, that's, that's really going to mess with a, with a, with a diabetic. Uh, so returning to my friend, um, Orange Bird, it seems mm -hmm. like orange juice is a go-to item for a lot of people. Or what, what is the thing with orange juice? And well, so the thing with orange juice is if you think about it, so what's in orange juice that's really uh, useful for diabetics is fructose, which is fruit sugar. Mm -hmm. And do think about if you actually ever squeeze an orange, how many oranges it would take to squeeze to make a bottle or a cup of orange juice and do the math about how much sugar is in one orange and how much, how many oranges are in a cup of orange juice. And that'll, that'll get you skyrocketing. I, I don't know many diabetics that would drink an entire bottle of that, at least shouldn't. Um, and that's the kind of the problem with diabetes is. But a little bit of that goes a long way. It does, but the, the, the temptation is, and again, this is really getting, getting deep here, but um, the, the, the risk for diabetics is when you start, when your blood sugar starts to go low and it starts to go fast, the temptation is I want to pass out. So I need to drink that entire bottle of orange juice, but what you drink and what you eat sometimes takes 15 minutes or so to actually tell your body, oh, okay, you're good. Things are going back up. Well, guess what? I just chugged a bottle of orange juice. And now instead of my blood sugar being a 60, which is not good, it's low. 
within 30 minutes, it's going to be almost to 200. And then you kind of start the roller coaster over again, which is why you will see a lot of diabetics snacking quite a bit in the parks because they're trying to balance that. I'm walking, so I'm low. Now I'm walking, so I'm high, but then I walk more and it dropped down. And so it's a, it's a mess and a half. You, uh, you love staying at the resorts. You book mm-hmm. yourself at the resorts all the time. Yeah. Is there something you look for in the resorts that in terms of resources or whatever that, that help make uh, your stay a better one? Well, the, all, uh, having the, the fridges, if we call them fridges, they're probably closer to coolers um, in all the rooms is definitely a plus. Uh, I don't know if, you know, 15 years or so ago, uh, fridges in every room was not a thing. You had to request one. You had to request one from the front desk and they would always guarantee it, but you had to request one. They were not standard. And so having that in there to be able to keep my insulin in there, because your insulin can sit out like most insulin brands, I think I read somewhere can be good at room temperature for, you know, 28 days or so, but it's always going to last longer if you can keep it refrigerated. And so having uh, that in the room is, is definitely a good thing. And it's one of the other reasons that I do grocery delivery um, is so I can have snacks and that kind of stuff. Cause uh, well, just on this last trip, when we were staying at uh, Coronado Springs, uh, one of the nights, whatever happened, I, I dosed myself wrong. We walked too much. Um, I woke up uh, near the end of the night and I woke up in the middle of the night and I grabbed my lemon heads and I went to sit in the bathroom so I didn't wake up my wife. And about five minutes later, I was waking her up and said, I need you to sit with me. I'm going to sit on the floor because I think I'm going to pass out. And if I do, I don't want to hit my head and you need to call 911. This is what you'll tell them if I pass out. And I have a little spray bottle that you put in my nose, which basically um, helps me absorb sugar very, very quickly. If somebody passes out, it used to be an injection. It's not anymore, but I had to show her how to use it because I've fortunately never had to use it, but that's how bad it was. And that's how close it was. And my blood monitor that checks my blood sugar every five minutes, it's, a, it's, it's basically in my, in my stomach. Um, it just showed almost a straight line down. And so wow. I knew that it was bad. And so I, that's about as bad as I can remember it being maybe in the past 10 years. And so I, I had to have that food with me ready to go. And again, then the next day I woke up and my blood sugar was crazy high and it was beeping at me overnight because I didn't want to pass out. So I figured at that point, a lot easier for me to have a ridiculously high blood sugar in six hours and deal with that and just not have breakfast and go on an early morning walk than end up in a hospital where they're basically just going to give me an injection to shoot my blood sugar up. But let's try to avoid that while I'm in Orlando. If I what can. had preceded that that made that? You know, I, when I started with... talking about that, I honestly don't know. Um, I don't know if maybe I... You don't remember what park or I if don't, there was a particular activity or I don't know. Because um, when I just talked about that, I, I tried to think. I was wondering if it was when we went to the restaurant upstairs um, uh, at, at Coronado, but I don't I don't think it was. It, it really could honestly just be a so here's here's the trick, right? When when you give yourself um, a dose through an insulin pump, mm-hmm. you're you've got to basically estimate how much to give you, how much to give yourself. And a lot of times if I'm eating at a fast food restaurant or I'm eating, um, you know, if I were to eat a, a microwave meal, we don't, we don't have TV dinners, but I'm using that as an example, yeah. right? You can go on the back and there's the nutritional information and you can look at like, you can look on the back right now. So I'm looking, here's a thing of sweet tarts that I keep by my desk right in front of me. And it tells me if I have eight sweet tarts, it has, it's called counting carbs. So there's 14 grams of carbs and I dose based on 12 to 15 grams of carbs. So if I were to eat eight sweet tarts right now, while we're talking, I would go to my pump and say 14 grams of carbs is how much I'm eating. And it would say, give yourself this much insulin. 
That's easy when I have something with a label. When I'm eating at a restaurant, finding out exactly uh, what the carb counts are, are very, very difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible and I'm lazy about it sometimes, even after 40 years, but it's a little difficult. It's even worse when we're cooking a meal at home and all right, we made soup. Well, I had a bowl of soup, how many noodles were in the soup? And so a lot of times Leah is amazing about this and she will cook something. Um, we like the, the veggie quesadillas. Well, two of the things that go in veggie quesadillas are corn and beans. Both of those things are going Ouch. to shoot your blood sugar up. So okay. she makes one batch with only the, um, the corn and there are only the beans and then leaves the corn in the other batch. And then I have the one without it. I'm still guessing there how much to dose myself. And so my assumption is looking back on it, I probably just overdosed and didn't eat as much as I thought I would eat. And then maybe did more physical activity. Maybe we stayed out of the park longer or we went to walk more than we thought we would because it was nice weather. And all those things kind of just combined for a perfect storm of um, my blood sugar being as low as I can never remember it in 40 years. Hmm. So yeah, it so was how, a, a scary night. So take me to a day in the park. How do you kind of schedule or think through a day in the park differently? Well, so what I will try to do is I will try to snack more than I will eat big meals. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen me dig, dig inside of my bag, but I guess the other, the other snack I typically always have in my bag is a beef jerky because it's protein. It fills me up, but it's not something that's going to shoot my blood sugar up. And so I would always rather snack because then I can eat smaller helpings, um, instead of sitting down and having a burger and fries or something like that. Uh, and so also drinking a lot of water is important because as a diabetic, if your blood sugar is getting high, you got to flush out those kidneys. And so I will typically drink a ton more water in Disney than I would even at home, um, even if it's not hot, just because my blood sugar is going to be higher because I'm going to be I'm going to be eating worse food than I would be eating at home. Um, but I I cannot tell you the last time that I had a Mickey ice cream bar. I don't like ice cream in general, but even at Disney, I don't really care. Um, I love churros. I very rarely have them. Uh, and so I try to avoid things that I know are going to shoot my blood sugar up, because if I'm going to do that, I'm going to. Um, be very, very careful about basically what I spend my, uh, what I spend my, oh, I do remember what it was that did it. I do. So I told you the story. We went to Ohana. We went to the, the bar outside of Ohana because okay. we wanted pot stickers. Uh. And, and you can, and you can, have I told, I, surely I've told you the story, right? Yeah. So, I, I remember you going, yeah, you, you did that night where you went to get, in fact, you had left the magic kingdom to go over and get pot stickers over well, at actually, Polynesia. And I we said, think, okay. I said, you took all the time to go over to the Polynesian because you had also, you had left Coronado and I think you had taken a car or a, a, an Uber. So again, we, this is where my diabetic friends and I use a hashtag world's worst diabetic, because this is, this is not advisable to anyone listening, including my endocrinologist, please don't listen. So the two <laughs> snacks, the two snacks that my wife wanted when we were down there was she wanted a beignet from, from French quarter and she wanted the pot stickers. Great. So we took an Uber to go to French quarter, had a beignet. I only had one. And I mean, obviously, you know, I could have eaten more, but I said, I'm going to be good. I'm going to have one. Okay. Well, let's go over to, let's go over, get some pot stickers. Great. So we walk up to the bar and I said, can we still order the Ohana pot stickers here? And she said, yes. And I said, great. How many are in an order? And she said, there's typically about six. And I said, oh, okay. That was going to be our dinner. Like just the pot stickers. We weren't eating anything else for dinner. So I said, all right, I'll take three orders, 18 of them between the two of us when that's all we're eating it is okay. really not as big of a meal as it sounds. Well, she brings them out. There were not six. There were about 15 or more in each order. 
And so I'm uh, thinking, hey, I'm not. These are pot stickers are one of my favorite things at Disney. And they were glazed. And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm not going to let these go. So I decided <laughs> to take it on the chin or take it in the pancreas, if you will. And uh, and we ate those. And I'm fairly certain that it may have been that night because that I dosed myself high. And then we also went out walking for a few hours because I was like, we've eaten a lot. We've got to walk. We went to Epcot that night and I said, we've got to walk. We've got to make sure we walk. And you get a quite a quite a workout going to Epcot because whether you're walking around World Showcase or you're walking from the bus stops, which are 17 and a half miles away from the front of Epcot, (laughs) um, you're getting a lot of walking. And so I think it was kind of all that all that and also not knowing how to dose myself and what a pot sticker is worth and what the glaze that's on them is worth. So I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain it's there. So that that's, that's my story of why that happened. But what I will do is I will try to snack more than I will actually sit down, which is if you notice that whenever we spend time together in the parks, I very, we very rarely do sit down meals. That's not just because I'm cheap. It's also because that I'm much more tempted to eat a big, uh, a big, thick, heavy meal than I would be to just stop at a quick service restaurant and buy something small and then snack somewhere later, get a thing of popcorn or something like that. Well, speaking of popcorn, I thought, as I recall, popcorn is your big go-to item in the parks. I don't think you make it very far past the uh, past the train station before you're you're loading up on the popcorn. So yeah, that's that's a biggie for you. And, it is, and in and Tokyo Disney, it takes on all sorts of forms. Oh, it's worse in Tokyo Disney because then you have like the honey covered one, which is obviously a ton more sugar wise. You have the strawberry, or the blueberry coated. Um, but I, what I like about popcorn for me is I can take it and I can kind of eat it slowly. I never typically eat the refill of popcorn in one sitting very quickly. I'll eat some, close the lid and then snack on it later. So that typically, and that's going to be fatty, but it's not going to be as bad as again, getting a, a, you know, a churro or, or, or a a pretzel. I mean, I think about a pretzel, my son, oldest son loves pretzels and that's just no, thank you. So I'm thinking the new confectionaries uh, make your own popcorn mix is not a go-to place for people with diabetes because well, I'm so telling see, here's you, one of the- my wife, this is my, this is my wife's new habit. She uh, doesn't want to go past town square without grabbing that, that popcorn mix. And then she just, you know, chews away a little at it. And she's now she's much better than I am. I just, I gouge down everything I eat, but as she takes a little bit at a time and she does kind of spread it over several hours, but. So uh, I haven't tried it yet, but, and I probably will. I might on my next trip and here's why I'm okay with that is first of all, I'm going to walk more than I walk anywhere else when I'm at Disney. So I'm going to burn some of that off. I would probably not eat a full meal surrounding that. Um, and, uh, the fact that I could snack it and I'm typically, I mean, I, I tour the parks alone quite a bit, but I would probably wait for a snack like that when I'm with somebody to share it with. So there's not the pressure to eat it all. That's kind of the nice flexibility about the insulin pump is I don't have to worry about giving myself an injection and guessing because it also will check my blood sugar and show up on my insulin pump every five minutes, which way I'm going. And so if I can start to see it going up, then I know, all right, stop or give yourself some more. And again, that's not necessarily advisable, but on vacation, it's kind of tricky. Um, cruising is also very difficult from that perspective as well. Um, and it's so it's a, it's not, like I gotta say, it's not fun to visit Disney as a diabetic because I've been doing it forever and I absolutely love it, but it's a lot more challenging. You kind of have to be a lot more in your game and ready to, um, to, to flex and, and, and contract with how you typically manage your diabetes. But the insulin pump makes it, tons easier than it was before. 
Uh, is there a restaurant where you say this is a better menu for somebody dealing with diabetes than another? Uh, a buffet typically is going to be better because you're going to have choices, choices and you don't have to worry about I'll order that entree and I won't eat this or I won't eat this. Um, bad, bad, bad is typically uh, pasta. Um, so avoiding avoiding pasta dishes. Like if I go to an Italian restaurant, I will try to avoid a dish that has pasta if I can. Um, and so because just that's going to that's really going to keep your blood sugar steadily up if you're not careful especially because most pastas you get are also going to have cheese or some kind of a cream sauce mm. and so um, i will typically try to avoid that i will very if i'm going to get dessert that means i'm not getting an appetizer uh when when we were at uh, the tapas place uh, at, at coronado springs if you notice leah and i shared one appetizer and shared a dessert um because that way we both got a taste of each but we both didn't get both so that it didn't just shoot my my blood sugar to kingdom come. Well, that was kind of one of my other questions is um, how is your family affected by this as you go through? Now, are you taking like a, you, you? I think you do tend to take a break in the middle of the day or is that? Yeah, but that's just cause I'm getting old. <laughs> Um, oh. <laughs> and, and, and well, um, I, yeah, I do. We tend to go back. And again, there's a lot of variables at play there. Part of that is crowds. Part of that is just as a diabetic, um, you're, you have circulation issues as well. And so getting out of my shoes and, um, taking some of the pressure off of my feet is really nice. I'll just go back often for an hour just to take off my shoes and just sit. It's not that I, I would love to take a nap, but very rarely that does that happen, mm. but it's just kind of sitting, sitting and taking a break and then kind of getting to repack my bag. Um, in terms of my family, they're, they're really pretty good at it, partially because they know that they're not going to upset me if they have something sugary. And they also know that if there's something that's really good, like my middle son, his, his go-to snack is a Dole Whip. He loves them. He will get a Dole Whip and I'll have a couple bites. Like it's not, I'm not, that's the nice thing is that with the pump, I can at times share a snack of some of those things. Or if one of the kids gets a churro, I'll have a bite. I'm not going to have a whole one, but they're, they're pretty good. And Leah, my wife is absolutely phenomenal when it comes to us thinking about and having meals at home and, all right, I want to do this meal, but let me tweak it so that it has less of this or less of this. Um, so that, or, you know, making a, a, a she made a, a Philly cheesesteak casserole a couple of weeks ago that instead of having rice at the bottom, which is what it would normally have had cauliflower rice. And so mm. they're pretty, they're pretty good at adapting. Um, that obviously means fast food is not always advisable because it's hard to make adaptations there. Um, but then you also worry about big meals sitting down. So we don't eat out a lot at home uh, just because it's a lot easier to control what I have in front of me. And if they're having something that I think is too heavy, like if they have pizza, um, I might have a couple, <laughs> the kids will go in the pizza box and there'll be a couple of pieces with one bite missing out of the bottom. Um, and, and then I'll have a, you know, oh, then, I'll have an, then I'll have an apple or I'll have a bowl of salad or, or, or something like that. And there are other times where I decide to make a stupid decision and have two pieces of pizza and I'm paying for it for the next eight hours. Wow. So, so what other advice do you have for those dealing with, uh, diabetes? So I think planning ahead with what you bring in your bags uh, is something that I tell clients that, that have diabetes, which is very important. You never want to have to worry about where to track something down if you need it on short notice. And so you'd always rather have more in your bag than not enough. And so packing whatever you like for fast sugar, whatever you like for some protein and just having some snacks, because you might um, you know, be walking around and say, I, I don't really need a snack right now because my blood sugar might be a little high. 
but I also don't want to not eat because I'm hungry and I'm going to be burning energy, which is where that stuff like beef jerky um, or, you know, maybe you carry some trail mix or something like that with you. Uh, those are going to be good things to have on you, little snacky things where you can just take a bite of a couple things, which fuel, you know, takes care of your hunger, but doesn't shoot your blood sugar up, but also have whatever that candy is. Cause yeah, you're going to find places that have sugar close to you, but depending on how crowds are and how close you are, how quickly do you need to get there? Right. That's, that's kind of the trick. Um, a lot of times uh, diabetics on like message boards and stuff will recommend take your insulin and put it in the first aid um, office uh, at the park. And that's great if you're going to be near the first aid office at all times, well, you're not. And so if you need your insulin and you're putting it in the first aid station, think about where that is and where you might be during the day. I just have a little cooler bag that I got that basically works off of like, you like wet this, this little bag and it has like these little gel pellets in it that kind mm -hmm. of keep it a little cooler. And so that's what I've started carrying my stuff around the park in um, just to make life easier. So it's just, it's just adapting. You can always find uh, ingredient lists, all the quick service restaurants you can get a little binder for, and they'll tell you for food allergies, what's in them. You can also use that as diabetics. Uh, they're going to have no sugar added desserts, which is going to be a good option as well. So it's really finding somebody, which is why, and yes, I'll plug myself, but finding a good travel agent um, who has had clients with diabetes or like myself is a diabetic or has had clients that have dealt with dietary issues as well. I have somebody going um, in, a, in a couple months that's both gluten intolerant and diabetic. And we've been enough with family members of both, including myself, that we're able to help. So this is one of those where doing some of that advanced research and having somebody in your corner is useful because you can read about it all you want but the experience of somebody along, you know, on your side in your pocket that has actually done it, that becomes very important and very valuable because it's the Florida humidity and the walking, you just, you really can't prepare for it until you've done it. Being hydrated is important for anybody. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely a bigger issue for someone Yep. Um, who is diabetic. I'm often in the parks and it's not uncommon at some point to see someone having to be taken care of uh -huh. by a paramedic. And usually it appears that the individual has just really kind of dealt with the heat yeah. and is, is struggling with that. So, yeah. well, so, and that's one of the things that we try to do in terms of dehydration, right? Is we will try to follow the rule of you dehydrate for the next day, the night before. And so, well, I might not drink a ton of water before I go to bed at home. I will when we're at Disney, because I know that we're going to get started at seven in the morning and I don't want to start off because you can get outside at seven or eight in the morning in the summer and it, it's still be pretty hot and, and, and punchy kind of quick. Right. And so yeah. um, that's going to be, that's going to be important too. And that's why we'll always have, you know, fruit in my bag or something like that. Uh, this has been, this has been very informative and I, uh, I, I can't emphasize the fact that uh, David, who um, uh, heads up out the door travel and um, is a leader in the travel industry, is go your go-to place for these kinds of ideas. And if and um, uh, we'll, we'll replay a, a little piece from a conversation we had about DAS, where he spent hours trying to get information about the DAS pass for one of his clients. This is just typical of what um, travel agents do. And they, it doesn't cost you any extra money. It's just something that is part of the commission that they receive from, from Disney and from others. So, 
So I, I really recommend that you reach out to Zanola at otdtravel.com. And uh, I'm happy to plug him because he is not just a friend, but he is also our travel agent and uh, takes care of us. So, um, so figure out that Paris trip. <laughs> I got to finish out. I, can't, I keep changing your, the itinerary on you. Um, that is uh, so funny. But at any rate, thank you, David. Appreciate you taking the time um, to come talk about this important topic. Thank you for having me. Again, my thanks to David for joining us in this discussion, which has been very informative about how to manage diabetes when you are in the parks. And thanks for being part of this podcast at Disney at Play and also with Disney at Work. We hope that uh, you find meaning and interest. We have lots of wonderful topics to cover. In fact, I've been working on three podcasts at the same time. So, so look for more in the days to come. Meanwhile, if you have a chance, check out our Patreon group. It is the Wayfinder Society. Here you can find uh, exciting interactive tools to help you better explore the worlds of Disney. Whether you are a Disney fan or if perhaps you're looking for best in business practices at Disney to apply to your organization back home. Check it out. It's the Wayfinder Society. Again, thanks for being part. Thanks for joining us. And as we say, in the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage at Tokyo Disney Sea, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.